0: Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture reading today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verses 1 and 10 through 20. It starts, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham. Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teachings of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices? Says the Lord, I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They have become a burden to me, and I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow." Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Our gospel reading today comes from Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit Blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I just wanna share the fact that I had a great start to my Sunday morning. It's my habit to stop at the Dunkin' Donuts on Northwest Highway and get a cup of coffee, sometimes a donut, but mostly just a cup of coffee. Anyway, this morning, as I made my order medium coffee black, and I pulled around and reached out to hand them the $2.61 that it cost, they said, oh no, this one's on us. Have a great day. They know me. They know me at the Dunkin' Donuts. She even said to me, we'll see you Tuesday, right? (laughs) Now on Monday morning last, when I came into my office with my cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, Brian Larson, our Director of Operations and Technology, stuck his head into my office and asked if I had any ultimate concerns on my mind. I knew immediately that he was referring to my sermon title for this week, and I also knew that one of Brian's ultimate concerns is putting together the PowerPoint that you see on our screens, and he was trying to give me that gentle nudge to be ready sooner rather than later. as one of the older people on the staff, I am not really well-versed in visual aids for sermons. Therefore, this is the only visual aid you will have today. (laughs) The problem is, is that when I do think of something wonderfully creative for the Sunday sermon, it's often on Friday afternoon, and that's just not convenient for Brian. Like most Monday mornings, I had come to the office with a lot of ultimate concerns. Some of them felt more ultimate than others. I knew I had to talk to a family about a death and prepare for a funeral. I knew I had this sermon to write. I knew that our second born daughter, Jenny, was going to be before the Presbytery of Mid-Kentucky on Wednesday, preaching her final sermon to be approved for ordination. So of course that was on my mind. I had several follow-up phone calls to make, not to mention the fact that like many of us, I was reeling from two mass shootings over the weekend. Now our ultimate concern, that one concern that is of greatest importance to us, changes with time and circumstance. By about four o'clock Wednesday afternoon, I knew that our daughter Jenny had successfully preached her sermon and passed her examination. And I also found out that our oldest daughter, Katie, had been in a very serious car accident. Fortunately, she's fine, except for a car, and we rejoiced with Jenny in her exciting news. Someone here this morning may be worried about a new college roommate. Someone else is concerned about a report from the doctor that they just got or that they are waiting to get. Someone else is ultimately concerned about finding a job. Someone else is worrying about when or how they will know it is time to move out of their lifelong home. And still others here this morning are concerned about their marriages, their children, their retirement portfolio, And there may be some who are ultimately and genuinely concerned about where their next meal will come from or how long they will be able to keep a roof over their head. Both of our scripture readings this morning deal with our ultimate concerns. Isaiah speaks harsh words to the people of Israel. People, we are told that these words are given to the prophet Isaiah to speak. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. This is the strongest possible words that Isaiah could use. He is name-calling to the nth degree here when he calls them rulers of Sodom and people of Gomorrah. The particular wickedness for which the people of Israel are being called out is a matter of greed and injustice. Now, when we think of Sodom and Gomorrah or hear about Sodom and Gomorrah, we often think that that has to do with sexual misbehavior, sexual misconduct of some kind. But that's not originally what the problem was for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. Their first problem, the problem of highest order for God, according to Ezekiel, is that they had pride, and they had an excess of food, and they had prosperous ease, and they did not aid the poor and the needy. Does that sound like any other village we might know? In other words, they were a culture of excess, holding on to everything for their own good pleasure and not taking the time to look around and notice who else might need something, something to help them quite literally survive. The ultimate concerns of Sodom and Gomorrah and the people of Israel had to do with selfishness and a lack of generosity. Throughout the verses of the first chapter of Isaiah, the people are called to cease to do evil learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. Their sacrificial offerings mean nothing to God without a change in their priorities. He no longer cares about what they bring to the temple to sacrifice because they are not living the way he wants them to live. God wants a change in their priorities, a change in their ultimate concerns. And as scripture, both Old and New Testament, teach us repeatedly, our ultimate concerns are to be other-focused. We are to be living, thinking, loving, breathing for the other. It's not about the way we worship. It's not about the liturgy we use, or the music that's played, the hymns that are chosen. It is not about the amount of money that you put in the offering plate, or the way the elders and deacons serve communion, sometimes a little more smoothly than others. While all those things are important in their own right because they help us honor and worship God, they add a sense of holiness and purpose to our life, None of it matters if we fail to live our lives in the way that matters to God. None of it matters if we fail to live our lives in a way that matters to God. And that way is love, generosity, justice, mercy, and grace. In Luke's gospel this morning, we hear his version, also found in Matthew, but this time we hear Luke's version of Jesus telling his followers not to worry about worldly things. The words, however, are reassuring from Jesus rather than judging, at least in the beginning of the passage. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's the sound of a mother comforting a young child. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure. The words, do not be afraid, are echoed over and over and over again throughout scripture to Mary, to Joseph, to the angels, to those wandering in the wilderness, to the earliest disciples, and to us. Do not be afraid. Words of reassurance in times when all the expected things are changing and all the unexpected things are happening. Words of reassurance when everything around us feels very unsettled. Words of calm, words of comfort. And so for a moment, we breathe a collective sigh of relief. Do not worry, little flock. The next words, however, shake us up again. Sell your possessions and give alms. Sell my possessions? I don't even own all my possessions. Visa and MasterCard have some of my possessions. My bank has my mortgage, my possession. What do you mean, sell all my possessions? Can we negotiate on this matter? Some of them, really? Or all of them? Is there a number that we're going for? What if I get rid of one bag of clothes, maybe? If you're not keeping up with your Netflix series, you might not know Marie Kondo. But Marie Kondo is a petite Japanese woman who has a series on Netflix that helps people organize their belongings and declutter their homes. She suggests that you take each item and look at it and determine whether or not it gives you pleasure. And if it no longer gives you pleasure, you thank it for its service and you fold it up and tuck it in a box to give away. I watched her show a few times. Her show didn't bring me any joy, so I stopped watching it. But her premise has some merit. Downsizing can be liberating. Cleaning out closets can make us feel lighter. All of us have too many things. If you don't know that today, you will know that when you you decide to sell your home. And you will also know it when when you ask someone else if they want your prized possession And they politely decline (laughs) and shake their head no thank you. There is another movement gaining strength these days called minimalism, or being a minimalist. You can kind of guess what that's about from the title. But I read a little bit about it. One man that I read about, he had cut down his articles of clothing from 120 all the way down to 30. He had simplified his wardrobe to the point where he had v-neck t-shirts, pants, and black shoes. And that's what he wore every day, all the time, to whatever he was doing. And he loved it. It said it eased a lot of anxiety trying to decide what to wear. I actually am thinking of trying it myself, because I can't go to sleep at night unless I know what I'm going to wear in the morning. And that does create anxiety. So look for some new outfits. Another article I looked at said, and this totally blew me away, said that the average American lives, and this includes your home, with $137,063 of debt. $137,000 of debt, and the average American income is right around $60,000. Think about that. We have too many things. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. We don't have to be afraid of anything, but especially we don't have to be afraid of not having enough. And that's what our culture tries to teach us, that we don't have enough. Or that if we get this product, life will be better. If we get this product, we'll be skinnier. Or if we get this product, we'll meet that beautiful blonde with the great figure. None of it's true. They just want us to get more things. We don't have to be afraid, though, because God has already given us everything we need. It has been God's good pleasure to freely give us The kingdom, the kingdom, friends, this is not something we build or earn or achieve. It is a gift freely given. But it does ask from us a right response. A response like the Israelites were challenged to give. A response that is focused, a response that ceases to do evil and works to do good, that feeds the orphans and advocates for the widows, a response that seeks justice, a response that puts others ahead of our own needs Because, because our needs have been met. And generously met by the one who has called us into being. The question before us is are we ready to let go of all of those ultimate concerns that we hang on to for dear life? The concerns that our culture puts on us, that we put on ourselves, the concerns that demand our time, our attention, our energy, and our focus. Instead, of the concerns of the kingdom of God. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It is not easy to let go of things, and it is certainly not easy to let go of fear. There's a lot to fear in our world today. Just to name a few, there's global climate change, losing your job, getting an incurable disease, And, oh, yes, going to Target or Walmart or Mariano's and being part of a mass shooting. Yeah, there's a lot to be afraid of. And yet we don't have to be afraid because God, in God's good pleasure, has given us the kingdom. And we are not to be lured away from the kingdom purpose by all these other things trying to put... A demand on our time and our energy. As President Roosevelt said at the beginning of World War II, we have nothing to fear except fear itself. And that is perhaps truer today than it was then. And that's what Jesus is telling us. We have nothing to fear. We've been given given everything we could possibly need. Now, Will gun violence just disappear? Sadly, no. Will global climate change suddenly reverse itself? I'm not a scientist, but I don't think so. Will hunger, homelessness, oppression, and racial divide all take care of themselves? No. No. And will someone else, God perhaps, send us money for our mortgage? Certainly no. But the invitation is not to worry about those things, but to do something about those things. Because we do not have to worry, we are invited to give all the time that we waste on worry over to the work of God in our world. I'm a person of privilege. We are all people of privilege simply because we are the children of God. God has gifted us with the kingdom, so we do not need to be afraid. We do not need to stockpile money for our retirement or stockpile resources for the end of the world or stockpile weapons because others may be taking over our country. We do not need to do any of those things what we do need to do is stop evil and do good if we want the gun violence in our country to stop then every single one of us who are beneficiaries of the kingdom of god are called upon to make it stop maybe we call our elected officials maybe we go out and protest maybe we write letters Maybe we work in impoverished neighborhoods, helping children to learn to read and write so they don't turn to violence that is all around us and all around them. Maybe we help people who are unemployed or underemployed to find jobs so they're not on the streets hanging around or so they're not trying to make quick, easy money selling drugs, which leads to more violence. Maybe we talk about love and maybe We act in love, instead of in ways that divide us into them and us. I don't have all the answers, and I'm not trying to pretend I do. I've been preaching for almost 33 years, and the hardest thing is that I can't give easy answers. What I know is this, I have everything, absolutely everything I need because God has given it to me. And you, every single one of you, has everything you need because it has been God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So we can stop worrying about ourselves. We can stop making decisions out of fear. We can sell our possessions and give alms and seek justice so that the widows and orphans have what they need. We can work together and develop a comprehensive immigration policy so that we don't have to watch any more Latina children crying on the news at night because their parents have been swept up in a raid. We can work for gun control that doesn't take away Second Amendment rights so that we don't have to light any more candles on our communion table in memory of people that have been shot to death in a Walmart or at a bar or at a concert. We can work with people in our own city to put an end to the gun violence that haunts us every single weekend. How many will we hear about? tonight. Jesus is asking us to make some decisions about what our ultimate concern will be. What will our ultimate concern be? Are we going to hold on for dear life to everything we have so that things stay exactly the way they are and nothing ever has to change? We all know the fallacy in that or are we gonna let go, release our grip, and open our hands so that God can take them and use them to build the kingdom? Jesus is asking us to divest ourselves of material preoccupation so that we can put the treasure where it really matters, into kingdom building and kingdom living. Jesus is asking us to follow him, to work with him, to stop the evil and the hate, and to spread love and mercy and generosity. This is not easy work to do, and I do not mean to suggest that it is. It is the hardest work we will ever do. It means going against a lot of things that we have been taught about how to survive in this world. It means letting go of some rituals and traditions that mean a lot to us. It means changing our perspective on who the others are in our world, whether they be people of color, people who are poor, people who have legally immigrated, people who are gay. It means really and truly allowing God to use us without holding anything back. Sell your possessions and give alms. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms, for where your heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We have been given the kingdom, and now it is up to us to live in ways that bear witness to the kingdom. And what a world it will be when we do just
0: that. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.